Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Just and the Suffering podcast featuring New York sports talk from a long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Got an extra episode for you this week, our regularly scheduled episode with all the NFL picks, regular guests, all that good stuff's coming up a little closer to Thursday, Friday. So I didn't want to leave you waiting without a podcast that long. So I'm giving you a bonus conversation this week. I was joined by our legal analyst, Phil Frietta, our legal correspondent, to break down some of the interesting aspects of the Mets pending sale from the Wilpons to owners, new owner Steve Cohen. Cohen's currently a minority investor in the Mets, and in five years, he will be a full owner. The Wilpons will be phased out. The Mets will be presumably spending more money by then, but there are some questions about this sale. Why are they taking five years to get rid of the team? When will Steve Cohen start spending his billions of dollars on the franchise? That conversation with Phil coming up in just a moment. All right, we are back on the Just End the Suffering podcast, talking a little New York Mets ownership sale. When the legal bell sounds... Time to get our legal correspondent on the podcast. Phil Frayetta is on the line with me today. Phil, welcome. How are you? Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me back. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing very well. And I've got some big news to talk about because the Mets have been in the process of being sold. Will Ponds are selling the team to Steve Cohen. Obviously, we've been talking about the Will ownership situation off air for years. So when the sale happened, like, what was your first reaction? I was shocked. Uh, Kind of like James Dolan, I just assumed that the Wilpons would own the Mets forever. Like I assumed James Dolan will own the Knicks forever. Uh, so I, I was just totally shocked that they sold it, and I was really surprised that I guess Tiki Barber broke the story of all people. So uh, when I when I heard an original rumor from Tiki Barber, I said, "Well, what does he know?" But I guess he was right. Yeah, I guess he knew something. I guess he has all those friends in the business world. I, I guess so. Uh, but, but yeah, um, I was shocked, but it, I think it's great news for uh, for Mets fans and for baseball. Yeah, the Mets have been, right now, we're recording on the first day of the winter meetings. It's not something like they're trying to do too much. They're, Brody Van Wagen had a press conference about an hour ago. He was talking about, oh, you know, like, we have to fortify our depth. So even sounds like Rick Porcell is out of the Mets price range before Steve Cohen takes over. Yeah, well, well, that's the thing with this, uh, with this style, and I'm sure we're going to get into the details of it, but... Uh, it's a five-year transition period before Steve Cohen uh, fully takes over. I I expect that he might dump some of his own money into the into the team prior to that because it will increase his asset value. But uh, but who knows how long that process is going to take? So I'm, I'm not surprised that the Mets aren't throwing money around right now. Uh, I I think next offseason might be your when you really see the Mets go at it. Yeah, for sure. Let's start with uh, let's start with uh, the current ownership structure, which is obviously it's a it's being owned mostly by the Sterling Group, which is a real estate company founded by Fred Wilpon and his brother-in-law Saul Katz. And right now, the big thing with this sale was the idea that Katz and his family wanted out, and that sort of forced the Wilpon's hand. So, can you talk a little about the current ownership structure and why Katz leaving sort of made this more a possibility? Yeah, sure. So, so like you said, uh, you have Jeff and Saul. Uh, they started that 
real estate company together, and they they were kind of the co-owners, so to speak, of the Mets for for a while. Now, now that they're both a little older, uh, in, the, in recent years, Jeff Wilpon's kind of taken over the team from his father. And my understanding is that there's been some uh, tension between Jeff Wilpon and family members, both on the Cats and the Wilpon side, who think that Jeff is a little too hands-on with the baseball operation. Uh, I've read stories as I think the New York Times had a story about this that Jeff and even Fred to some extent would go watch pitchers throw bullpen sessions and that that's stuff you just don't see from ownership but that's been rumored forever that the Wilpons are heavily involved and I think it just got to a point where other members of the family said hey you know what are we doing we're not baseball men we're real estate men why are we uh, spending all this money and all this time running this baseball team and not really seeing any results. But I just want to clarify, when I say results, I don't just mean on the field. Uh, I, I don't think the Mets are not exactly raking in profits either. Uh, SNY's done well, but the Mets themselves are kind of middling around there, which is why you see their, their payroll not as high as a lot of fans think it should be. Yeah, that makes some sense as well because, yeah, we're not talking about just on the field. SNY makes money the... From what I've read, it sounded like the Mets had operating losses the last two years, about $60 million a year. So that combined with Solcats wanting out probably sped out the process that Wilpon's trying to just cash out and get out of the game before things get too rough. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly what happened. And uh, and they had a buyer come along and, and Steve Cohen who offered them uh, you know, pretty much what the team was expected to be worth based on Forbes. So uh, I think it was an easy decision for them to take the deal. Yeah, they take a deal and right now as part of this deal, Steve Cohen does not fully take over immediately once the sale is approved. The Wilpons maintain their titles. So Fred's the COO, Jeff's the CEO for five years before Cohen gets complete control of the team. So I know you're more in the business legal aspect than I am. So how unusual an arrangement is that in terms of like not having an immediate transfer of power with the change in ownership? In a lot of corporate acquisitions, it's not that unusual, but in Sports, you don't see it ever. I can't remember seeing that kind of an acquisition structure in a sports really ever. Uh, and, and frankly, I'm not quite sure why that acquisition structure is the way that it is. Uh, but but either way, um, like you said, that the Wolfhounds are still going to be around for five years. And I know a lot of Mets fans don't want to hear that, but, but they are. But you would hope that Steve Cohen, the new owner, will... Uh, invest some money in the team now, then maybe that gets the Wilpons to actually spend a little bit. Yeah, you mentioned this, this does kind of feel corporate-esque where like, a, like one company buys out another, people who are currently in the company being bought out can stay in their roles for a little bit before the new people take over or give themselves a chance to prove to the new bosses. So that's not the case with the Mets, but the term we've heard thrown around a lot is this idea that the Wilpons are the control people. So how much do you think that matters? They're the control people, even though once the sale goes through, Cohen spoke to get like about 56% of the team immediately, something are in that ballpark. I'm guessing that that was something that, that was negotiated and, and, you know, there's not a lot of information out on this. So I'm speculating based on experience, but uh, one thing you have to remember here is that the Cohen bought this team for basically exactly what Forbes valued the Mets at. And, uh, that is super rare in sports. Generally in sports, when somebody buys a team, they overpay because there is generally a 
a bidding war and, and there's emotions involved. People having grown up with kids that want to be a sports owner and they overpay for the team. So for him to buy the team at what Forbes values the team at, that, that makes me think that he negotiated himself a bit of a better deal. And maybe part of that was saying, okay, fine, I'll let you guys stay, stay around for five years. I'll let you guys stay in control, but you're going to give it to me at a cheaper price. Yeah, that makes some sense. Kind of, you know, like, hey, I know you want this legacy thing that you want to sort of try and win before you go. So maybe, you know, you can be the figureheads while I sort of run things behind the scenes kind of deal. Sure. I, I think that's definitely true of the Wilpons, too. And I think 2015 uh, really hurt them, especially Jeff. I think he thought, uh, I'm going to finally get my ring. And obviously they came just short. But I, I think that's probably part of it. And it's got a lot of a, uh, a private equity feel to it. So a lot of times what ends up happening is companies, uh, like you say, the Mets, the, the brand itself is worth a lot of money, but the company's not exactly making money on a year-after-year basis. And when that happens, some private, what they call private equity firms will get in and say, okay, look, we're going to fund you guys because we believe in this brand. And we think that if we make a couple of, changes around the edges we can make a profit and that could be what's going on here with steve cohen that does make some sense because steve cohen is once he takes over he's going to be one of the richest owners in sports history because i think outside of steve Ballmer with the la clippers i think that he is the richest sports owner i think he's worth about 9.2 billion dollars so he might see a value opportunity here say you know hey the mets they're a team that plays in new york city they have a new stadium they have their own network you know i didn't get the network in the deal but like they have all these great assets not being managed properly. If I put the right resource into it, I'll get a massive windfall on my return. Sure. So so you touched on Steve Cohen, and I guess we should give a little background on him for the listeners. Uh, so Steve Cohen, like you said, it would be one of the richest owners in sports. He will be the richest owner in Major League Baseball. And he has an entire lifetime of t- making investments and making money. The guy made... All of his money, basically, on Wall Street. Uh, I think he came out of college and became a junior trader. And there's a story that he made his firm. I can't remember the exact number right now, but it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars on his first day on the job. So the, the guy understands investment values. And if he buys something, he must think that there's an opportunity to make a profit. Yeah. And what he makes his money on, he's a hedge fund guy. So can you explain to like the sports, like, People kind of like a little bit like me who have a passing knowledge. So, like, how exactly is it that he's using, he's making his money this way? Sure. So, so what a hedge fund is is it's a collective pool of money, uh, and it, it gets around the securities laws in ways that are a little complex, and I'm, I don't need to get into. But basically, they take money from I think a hundred the number could be could be a little more than that now. But uh, when I, at least when I was in law school, it was around a hundred. So you take the top 100 investors, you pull their money together, and you invest on that. And the hedge fund manager gets paid a percentage of the profits as commission, basically. So uh, so basically what you're doing is you're taking 100 very, very rich people, you're pooling their money together, and then you're paying the manager a hefty commission for doing that based on his talents as a trader. So basically, like the whole idea is basically he's sort of the front man. He's deciding where to put this money, and then he's really good at it. So that's how he's 
collected all this money over the term because he's just good at figuring out where to invest his his uh, clients' prop, uh, cash. Yes, and and then he gets a cut of the profits, which can be a pretty substantial cut. So, and and when you're talking about funds of that size, you're talking about billions of dollars being invested. So, so it adds up. Yeah, and obviously the idea that hedge fund is out there, he has had some hot water in his past. He has had to pay off a massive, massive fine for being caught up in some kind of insider trading a couple of years ago. Do you have any sort of insight into what happened there and what the Steve Cohen insider trading story is? So so the the insight that I have is that his firm was accused of insider trading because they they made a – trade uh, based on some merger that had not yet been announced and then ultimately became announced. So the SEC went after them for insider trading. Uh, his number two man actually is now serving a prison sentence for that. He, he got the criminal end of it. Looks like uh, Steve Cohen was able to negotiate himself out of that and just paid a big, big civil penalty. To, and his fund is no longer open uh, based on that insider trading scandal. But yeah, his number two was tried and uh, lost his trial and he's serving, I think it's a nine-year prison sentence or something around there. Yeah, so he gets off of that because he pays, I believe, $1.8 billion in fines to avoid the jail term. But I think shortly after that, or slightly around that time frame, he buys the 8%, he buys the 4% minority stake in the Mets. It was 8% before the sale is made. That's one thing. But obviously... Whenever one of these teams makes a sale and sells another owner, like the other 29 owners or 30 or whatever it is in hockey and basketball and football, they have to approve the sale. So knowing what we know about this insider trade, do you think that would impact his ability to get approved by the other owners? I, I would say probably not, simply because I think the other owners understand how valuable it is for Major League Baseball if the Mets are competitive and good again. And and I think because you, you want New York City, New York City is is the baseball city of the of America, and you want two good teams here. The Yankees are they, they've turned things around. They're they're playing well now, but you'd like to see the Mets get there too. So I, I think the other owners understand that. Although one thing I would be more concerned about than the insider trading is how just how much money Steve Cohen has. That could deter owners. Because you don't you don't want a guy like that in a non salary cap league where he can just throw money around to free agents and inflate the market. Uh, we're so we're recording on Monday. Um, the, the Strasburg contract came out. So a guy like Steve Cohen could blow that out of the water and just totally change the market for free agents. Yeah, that's true. I did not consider that aspect because, I mean, Met fans, I'm in a group chat with two other Met fans, Martino Puccio and Will Schneider, and frequent guests on this podcast. And ever since the sales been announced, we've been just talking about, oh, when the Cohen money comes in, that that Mookie Betts could be a Met, that JT Realmuto could be a Met. We're just, like, assuming he's going to throw his money around because Joel Sherman in the New York Post said, you know, like, he's not messing around. He didn't buy this team to lose. So you could see him have sort of, like, this big, like, impact where – here comes Steve Cohen with his billions and billions of dollars to try and just build a super team, but for the free agent market. Sure, and that's something the other owners don't want. Uh, there's a famous quote that went around that's been attributed to uh, Ted Turner of "Gentlemen, we have the only legal monopoly in America," and, and it's true. Uh, Major League Baseball is the only legal monopoly in the entire country, 
So do you really, if you're on the ownership side, do you really want some guy who's going to pay the players whatever the hell they want? That might might not be something you want to do uh, from a business perspective. Yeah, I think that would probably be the only holdup. But I, I'm assume you would you would make a guess. You assume the sale goes through. I, I think the sale goes through because I also think the commissioner office is going to pressure this sale because they understand how important this is to get the Wilpons off the mess. Look, let's let's face it. The New York Mets won what they win eighty six games last year. Correct. Eighty six games. They just missed the playoffs. They don't have a third baseman. One of, if not the best third baseman in baseball, is a free agent right now, and you haven't heard the Mets' name tied to him at all. How is that possible? That, that that's not how a New York team should operate. The Mets should be all in on Rendon, and I think the commissioner's office knows that, and I think they may pressure the other owners to get this sale done. Because they want the Mets. You want the Mets in on Rendon just like you want the Yankees in on Garrett Cole. Not only that, not even Rendon, just the fact that the Mets had one of their homegrown pitchers hit free agency when they walked out and making an offer. Sure, that too. Although they did, I mean, they did end up extending DeGrom, but yeah, you're right. They let Wheeler go. Uh, they're probably going to let Syndergaard go if things were to stay status quo. So I, I think. I think the commissioner's office wants to change that, and I think the other owners recognize that at the end of the day, that's, that's more valuable. Maybe there's a, I don't want to throw the C word out there, but maybe there's a little wink and a nod of Steve, uh, just don't don't uh, spend too much money here. Yeah, we've heard that wink and a nod rumor before. Back when we talked in March about the article about the belt from the athletic that Mark Craig had about the owners keeping salaries down. Although I will say the, New CBA might change things a bit. That might make it easier for Steve Steve Cohen to spend his money. Sure, but yeah, we we don't know what what kind of terms are going to be negotiated. But that would be my only fear, not the insider trading stuff. So more so, the owners want to keep salaries as low as they can. But then again, Steven Strasburg just got two hundred and forty five million dollars over seven years. So maybe the money's going to start coming again. Yeah, I feel like the owners try to make a point the last couple of years. Say, you know, like. We're not overpaying for guys in their 30s or their like mid 30s like we used to in the 90s. It's not a smart business investment. And now you see these pitchers coming in in their primes and they're getting paid. Even guys like Mike Mustakis, guys like Marcelo Zuna have good markets. These guys are getting contracts. They're trying to make a statement like we're not paying the 33 year old second baseman for three years and 40 million dollars. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a lot of what you're saying. But but my if I would say with reasonable certainty that this sale is going to get approved by the other owners. Yeah, that would be good for Met fan because it's amazing how the Wilpons like have, I mean, aside from Jeff's issues and Jeff has had some public issues with like the whole situation with the shaming the woman out of wedlock in the office and firing her and stuff like that. Like they have been for the most part, like good public citizens and to see the Met fans have to embrace a guy who basically got caught insider trading and had to pay $2 billion to avoid jail, he's the white knight. It says a lot about what this organization has become. Yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll pose the question to you. Who's a worse owner in New York than the Wilpons? I guess the only guy you can come up with is James Dolan. That's it. I well, I did the owner power rankings on my blog that's associated with this podcast about a year ago. I had them dead last, right behind James Dolan, because James Dolan at least is putting the money into the product. The Wilpons were not. Right. So uh, I think there's a debate there: is it Dolan or is it the Wilpons? But they're clearly the bottom two. So uh, so yeah, that that's what ends up happening. Uh, that you're right that 
There's not not been really anything bad that's come out on them. And and to be fair, they they really did get screwed in the Madoff situation. They got hit hard. But bottom line is that you know Mets fans want their team to be involved in free agency, and and they want their team to be involved in keeping their own homegrown talent. And they just haven't done it over the past decade. Yeah, this all started back with the Jose Reyes thing. When they Jose Reyes, they didn't trade him and they let him walk for nothing at the end of that. They got a draft that turned to Kevin Ploiecki. That basically was the Jose Reyes saga. Right. Uh, the, the last big Met free agent signing I can remember is Carlos Beltran. And that was... 2005. 15 years ago. I guess Jason Day, if I guess him too, but we, we don't talk about him on this podcast. Well, in terms of the people that they've actually went out and gotten, I would think the... Biggest money they've given out since Beltron was like either Jason Bay or Curtis Granderson's contract. And Grandy worked out, Bay did not. They did bring Uriah Cespedes back, but that did not work out for them. And I mean, right now, the thing that's the rumors and sort of appeasing that fans like myself, Martino, and Will is this whole idea that like the Cohen money is coming. There's already been talk out there that, you know, once the sales approved, even though the Will Ponds are in control, Cohen will have. 40 uh, over 50 percent of the franchise and there's been this uh speculation put out by the joel shermans of the world the baseball people of the world say hey steve cohen's gonna open the coffers once he gets majority control and then the mets are gonna start spending they'll be going after the guys like the mookie betses of the world so do you think that's a legitimate possibility for this franchise yes absolutely uh cohen bought the team for what a little over two billion dollars right yep Okay, this is a New York baseball team. A New York baseball team should sell for more than $2 billion. Who do you think the Yankees would sell for if they went on the open market right now? At least double that. I can't even imagine. Double that. And I think Steve Cohen recognizes that if I put some money into this team, I can take my $2 billion investment and turn it into a $3 billion or $4 billion asset. So, yeah, I think he's going to spend. And I also think that, look, part of this is, this is always true when you buy a sports team. Steve Cohen's a New York guy. I think he grew up a Mets fan. He, he probably wants to win. Yeah, that, that's, that's part of that when you buy a sports team. You wouldn't buy a sports team if you didn't want to win. So I think he wants to win. I think he recognizes that if he spends a little of his own money here, he can help make his asset more valuable. And I think that's what he's going to do. So yeah, I I would not be. I'm not predicting it, but I would not be surprised if Mookie Betts is a Met. Yeah, and that's words that you could never have dreamed about even just like two weeks ago because that was there would have been rumors how oh maybe Brody would trade for Bookie Betts, keep him for the year, and then let him walk, but just to try and win in one year. But now there's a chance you know he comes, he signed, and then that's the first big sign of the Steve Cohen era. It's like, look, we got the top free agent in baseball, and he's here for ten years and three hundred fifty million dollars, and here you go. Oh, if if you ask me. Two weeks ago, if Mookie Betts was coming to the Mets, I would tell you not even in a trade unless they can negotiate for the Red Sox to pay some of his salary. And now I I think there's a realistic possibility. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to be a Mets fan now, knowing that, like, yes, you have to suffer through a more Will Pond shenanigans for a little bit. And this offseason is going to be brutal because I saw a report earlier from, I think, Andy Martino of SNY that Wade Miley might be out of the Mets price range, which tells you how bottom of the barrel they're scraping to try and fill out the roster for a team that won 86 games but once the coffers are open all all hell could break loose yeah i i think that's right i would uh i'd be excited if i were a Mets fan i'd be very excited i think this is 
great news. It came out of nowhere, and this is uh, this is going to give you a chance to have have a real New York baseball team again. Yeah, it would be fun. Speaking of the other real ba- New York baseball team, before I let you go, did, you heard your brother's appearance on the podcast last week, correct? I did. Uh, this has got to be the first time you had back-to-back family members on the podcast. Yes, this definitely is. I wanted to point out that he might be onto something because last week on the podcast he said that, you know, his prediction was Garrett Cole would sign at the winter meetings with the Yankees, and that's becoming more and more possible by the day. Yeah, Nick uh, Nick did say that. Uh, I told him that I thought he was crazy, but he think he might be onto something. Uh, at this point, based on everything I'm reading, I, I expect Garrett Cole to be a Yankee by the end of these uh, winter meetings, and I'm going to be disappointed if he's not. Yeah, well, if he's not, you can you can't blame your team because it sounds like they made it their priority to go out there and to see, you know what, like he's our guy, we need him. Here's the blank check. Go do what we have to do to get him in here. It sounds that way. Yeah, we'll see how the dominoes fall, but uh but I'll be upset if I find out that the Angels outbid the Yankees for Derek Cole. You you got to uh, my mind the Yankees have you know, it's been 3 years in a row now that they've been a uh, team that's capable of winning the World Series. They've come real close, but they need that final piece to get them over the hump. And an ace like Garrett Cole is exactly what the Yankees need. Yeah. If you bring in a guy like Garrett Cole, you're in a situation where when you meet Houston in a seven-game series, you're not saying, oh, Verlander's pitching, so we're going to lose. You're saying, okay, we're going to throw Cole at Verlander and we're going to beat him 2-1. to one. Yes, that's very encouraging if you're a Yankee fan because the last few off-seasons, it's sort of been, oh, we're going to stay under the tax because we don't want to give teams like the Rays money that they can use to compete against us. Now they're like, you know what? We're one guy away. That one guy is on the market. We're going to do what we have to to get him. I think I think that's right. And Cole, you know, he's a guy the Yankees have wanted for forever. They drafted him when he was in high school. They tried to trade for him. So they've wanted him. I think they recognize what he means for their team. And I think they recognize what he means for their team not just in, in the starting pitcher, but to the bullpen. But their bullpen got exposed in that series against Houston. And if they have a workhorse out there who can, when Cole's pitching, we don't need to see Adam Adovino or Tommy Canely, and we can give those guys a day off, that, that's a huge advantage. I also will put this on the record on the podcast. If, like, I have a holiday special coming up where we do have a segment work in the works where we're going to do some best-of-the-year clips on the podcast – if Garrett Cole signs the Yankees for the winter meetings is over, Nick's prediction will be on that on that special. It, it should be. I that was a shocking prediction, uh, but we'll see if he's right. Although we give him credit, he did predict that the Giants would pass on a quarterback two years ago, and he predicted that at Thanksgiving dinner of uh, the 2017 season. So he he sees things before people see him. Yes, Nick probably had a true visionary sometime. All right, Phil. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Mike. And uh, uh, best of luck to you and congratulations on the uh, on the sale. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for you and I'm happy for the Mets fans. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of it's going to be a lot of fun going forward. I cannot wait to see what happens next. All right. Uh, well, talk to you soon. All right. And that will do it for my conversation with Phil Frietta at the Mets pending sale. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including my reaction to the firing of Knicks coach David Fisdale last week, check out the blog over at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. 
Once there, you can find all of our old episodes of the podcast, including last week's episode where we preview the fantasy football playoffs. And Phil's brother, Nick, was actually on doing the NFL picks. That was a fun conversation. Feel free to check that out in the archives as well. Feel free to leave your feedback and star ratings in order to help make this podcast even better going forward as well. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And tweet at me with the hashtag CohenMoney. Made to this week's show. Again, hashtag CohenMoney for this episode of the podcast. Coming up next on the podcast, we will have the regularly scheduled sports episode. We will be joined by Bill Bender from the Sporting News to talk college football playoff. Bill was on the podcast back in August of the previous season. Now that the playoff has dropped, we'll talk to Bill about that. We'll do some NFL picks as well with Kevin Walsh Jr. from Sports Grid Radio and more. Until then, I hope you have a better week than Knicks fans. Oh,